Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! Devils fans, it is as always your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day as always, wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I really, really do appreciate it. It means the world to me. So I was originally going to obviously talk about the Devils game against the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday. But as most of you don't know, uh, most of you know, and and if you don't know, Uh, The Devils game got postponed against the Ottawa Senators because the Senators have a COVID-19 outbreak within their team. So they've actually postponed their next three games. The Devils, the Predators, and the Rangers were their next three opponents. Uh, The game between the Senators and the Devils is going to be rescheduled at a later date. So we will see down the road when that game gets rescheduled. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few short moments. But we also have some other really awesome things to talk about. We have a former devil that just reached 1,000 career games in the National Hockey League. And the Utica freaking comments have continued to win and have ended up tying AHL history. So we have a bunch to talk about here in this episode. So let's not waste any more time. And get rolling. So we're going to start with focusing on the the New Jersey Devils. And like I just said a few moments ago, this episode, which originally going to at least first off talk about the Devils game against the Ottawa Senators. But 
Over the last week or so, the Ottawa Senators had slowly but surely been dealing with a COVID outbreak. At one point, they had nine or 10 guys. I think at this point, at, at the moment, it's about 11, almost 12 players and coaches um, that are on the COVID-19 list for Ottawa. And we knew over you know the, the, the previous 24 to 48 hours prior to Tuesday that there was a there was definitely the potential that this game could actually end up getting canceled, postponed, whatever the situation was. And once we got to basically, you know, the day before, it looked like it was all but assured that it was. And we found out on Monday, uh, the NHL did announce and basically the Ottawa Senators as well announced that their next three games, including the game against the Devils, which would have been back on Tuesday, was postponed. So the Devils, um, you know, they they said as well that really they have no idea as to when this game is going to re be rescheduled. My guess personally is that it's going to be rescheduled um, after the probably after the Olympic break, because there will be some opportunities by then to kind of see some openings and kind of go from there. The expectation is that the game is going to be rescheduled for a time that is suitable for both the Senators and the Devils when it comes to, you know, an opening in the schedule and things like that. This is really the first um, major COVID outbreak that we've had this year, if you remember, there were several teams, including the Devils, who were off for 16 days because of a COVID outbreak, um, were dealing with these COVID outbreaks. And this is something to also keep in mind because the NHL does have an opportunity to back out of the Olympics if things with COVID-19 here, both in Canada, well, in the United States and over in Canada, because I'm in, I'm in, I'm obviously in the United States. Uh, if they get out of hand within the NHL teams and its players, then the NHL can just decide to not allow its players to go over there. I think they have to make that decision about a month, a month and a half prior to uh, the Olympics starting. So obviously within the next month, month and a half, we're going to have to see where things go. I really don't know exactly what's going to happen with the Ottawa Senators. Um, I do obviously send my thoughts and prayers to them and hopefully that they can, you know, get through this and they are okay. As far as I know, the Senators organization is fully 100% vaccinated. So the good news is, is that it doesn't seem like anybody is suffering. Nobody's in the hospital, but still it's just a very unfortunate situation, not only from just a health perspective, but also just from the fact that it, it, it screws up a little bit um, of their situation when it comes to playing games. So I would say we're not going to really have an answer as if things have improved until the next couple of days moving forward. So what's good about it for the Devils as well is a couple of things. Number one, they've had two frustrating losses back to back. They had a game against the Bruins on Saturday in which they were dominating that third period, only down by a goal, and then, you know, just had a couple bad breaks and ended up losing by three. And then they fought back twice to force a shootout against the Rangers, had two opportunities in the shootout to win the game, uh, but could not get it done and ended up only uh, getting a point, losing in the shootout. Um, so obviously it, it would have been nice for the Devils to come back after a day off to regroup against the Senators team that they definitely have some advantage against, but that's not the case. And I did also mention 
that if by some chance the Senators did decide to play this game, that they were going to have a lot of minor league players playing. So no disrespect to the Senators, but the Devils would have had a huge advantage going into this game to, to win it. And obviously it being on home ice is important. Um, and especially because their next two games being against the Florida Panthers on Thursday, and then also on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, um, that, you know, you were hoping that you could get a victory like that to kind of give you some confidence and move forward uh, from there. But that was not the case. But the other good news about it is this. Mackenzie Blackwood, he got hurt at the end of the Rangers game. Uh, concu- a concussion spotter uh, took him out of the game. He did not return. But Blackwood, because of the fact that they, they could only practice yesterday, they only, instead of playing, um, we found out that Blackwood had clear concussion protocol and he was fine. And when he talked to the media, Blackwood said that basically it was more of his neck that was, that got jammed up and really nothing about his head. So that's good. Um, We also saw that Christian Yaros has uh, returned after being on the injured list, which is good. And also for Jack Hughes, because Jack Hughes, obviously, it looks like right now he's not, he's no longer in a sling. Lindy Ruff, the last update he gave us was that he's around the team. He's been working out. He's been getting stronger. He's been getting healthier. And this is good because it allows some guys to get some more opportunities to rest and get healthier without having to miss a game. It's just one game, but still, you get a couple of extra days off prior to. Uh, your next game. So you go basically four days since the last time you played. And I'm sure some of the Devils players are itching to get back on the ice and get themselves back on the winning notes um, after two tough losses back to back. And so the Devils uh, next game, like I mentioned, will be in Florida against the Panthers. The biggest news, well, we got two big pieces of news when it comes to the Florida Panthers. The first one was that Alexander Barkov got hurt Uh, In the game against the Islanders, their last game, it did not return. He is actually listed as week to week with a lower body injury. So he is not going to be playing uh, in that game against the Devils. So, you know, obviously you don't like to see great players like Barkov get hurt. But from the Devils, it does. Obviously, it's a little bit less talent on the ice. But still, you know, the Florida Panthers have been really good, despite the fact the Devils just last week obliterated them uh, at the Prudential Center 7-3. We also got word that looks like Jumbo Joe Thornton will be finally returning to the Panthers and playing in that game. So with one guy going out, another guy comes back in. So we'll see what the lines are going to be like tomorrow when the Devils take on the Panthers um, at sunrise. So that And it would be big for the Devils to win not one but two games within a week or so, a little bit more than a week, um, against one of the better teams in the NHL, especially when you know the game after that. You're taking on the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. But the other big news that we got from from the Devils was that the Devils announced that forward Tice Thompson was put on IR with an injury and that the Devils called up Fabian Zetterland, who really I would describe as a scrappy, physical, speedy, third-line type player. I've talked about Zetterland several times saying how much I really have enjoyed watching him play 
over the last couple of years, especially when he first showed himself back in 2019 at the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo. He really, really excited me, and I'm really happy that he's finally getting an opportunity to play in the NHL. Lindy Ruff did confirm that he will make his NHL debut at some point. So we'll see, you know, whether he plays tomorrow against Florida or on the weekend against the um, Tampa Bay Lightning. But either way, he's going to get an opportunity, which is good, which is really, really good. And I'm just very excited to see him perform. And we do need a little bit more grit on that bottom six. And hopefully Zetterlin can give us, give us that. It sucks about Tyce Thompson. I really don't remember when, Tice Thompson got hurt. I guess it was against the Boston Bruins because that was the last time he played. Um, but it, it was definitely something that I, did, I didn't realize. So the Devils put another guy on IR. So at the moment, that lead that puts us with three guys with Miles Wood, Jack Hughes, and now Tice Thompson. But it, it, it's also good because it allows a guy like Zetterlin, who's never played in the NHL, to make his NHL debut. And with the Devils continuing to be one of the youngest teams in the NHL, we're just adding more and more youth. And there was something that I really loved. When Zetterlin was talking to the media today after practice, he said, and I quote, I'm looking forward to taking this 10-0 start for the Utica Comets here to New Jersey. That's a man with a lot of confidence, a kid also with, you know, obviously understanding what it takes to win and having a lot of success. And the Utica Comets have certainly done a lot of that. We'll talk about them in just a little bit. But it's just something where you see that confidence and you you look at yourself as a fan and say, that's what we want. We want more guys to come up here with that confidence and that belief that they belong in the NHL and that they can come here to Jersey and help contribute to a winning cause. So that's really the big thing when it comes to that. Now, the other thing I wanted to quickly mention, because some people were talking about it, is involving Alexander Holtz, because Holtz did not play against the New York Rangers. And a lot of people were wondering, was he hurt? You know, what was his situation? He's perfectly fine. He just got benched for that game. But Lindy Ruff said that he and Holtz had a really, really good conversation prior to that game saying that um, Ruff wanted Holtz to just focus from from the press box, just watching the game from up there and learning as much as he can and paying attention. And Amanda Stein confirmed that that Holtz really was paying attention, asking a lot of questions, trying to, you know, understand the NHL game more. And I think that's really, really important. Uh, Holtz is still with the team. I don't think the Devils are going to send him down anytime soon. Um, it wouldn't be totally a surprise if they, sent him, if they sent him down. Maybe they just feel like he's not fully ready just yet, although he showed flash, he's, he has shown flashes of brilliance in just a couple of the games that he's played. He hasn't even played 10 career games in the NHL. Um, I do expect him to get an opportunity, uh, whether it's Thursday or against the Lightning on Saturday. I do expect him to get another chance to try to make some contributions. And for me personally, when I look at Holtz, once he gets that first NHL goal, it's going to start coming away. You can see that he's a very competent player who wants to shoot the puck. Once he gets his shot down pat to an NHL level, he's going to be a very big problem for other teams. So that's something where let's just, you know, give it some time and kind of go from there. We were all kind of hoping that he would have the same type of, you know, explosion that Dawson Mercer has had in his rookie year, but not every player, you know, is the same way when it comes to that. So we got to give 
Alexander Holtz a chance to, you know, learn, develop, and kind of go from there. So those are kind of the things that we got from the Devils. Obviously not playing on Tuesday against Ottawa, but getting a couple of extra days of practice. Uh, we got an, a, we brought up a kid uh, who's going to make his NHL debut. And hopefully with a little bit of rest and, uh, you know, watching some of the film, the Devils are raring and ready to go to take on two very tough uh, Florida opponents over the next couple of days. The next thing I wanted to quickly talk about is involving a former uh, New Jersey Devil who got some really great, well, not great news, but we got some great news about this about this player um, actually when the Devils took on the Islanders last week. So last week when the Devils faced off against the Islanders and the Devils won four to nothing, we learned that former Devils captain Andy Green, who is now on the New York Islanders, was playing in his 900th. 99th career NHL game and that the next game he would play in would be his 1000th career game. And that's what it was back on. I believe it was Monday um, of this past week. He got to his 1000th career national hockey league game, which is absolutely phenomenal. Congratulations right off the bat to Andy green, who plays, who has played the majority of his career with the New Jersey Devils, it would have been great to see him either get to a thousand games with the Devils or have his a thousandth game be against the Devils at the Rock. I think that would have been great, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. But you look at Andy Green, he's 39 years of age. He's a guy that's going to forever be a Lou Lamorello player, a guy that Lou really loved and really admired from his days playing hot, playing in college at uh, uh, Miami of Ohio, University of Miami. In, in Ohio. Um, and, you know, look, Andy Green was never going to be a top, you know, Norris Trophy-like defenseman. He was going to be a workman-like defenseman who was a master when it, come to, when it came to blocking shots. We all saw it right away after the Devils made the, the trade um, to trade Andy Green to the Islanders that the Devils just really struggled when it came to blocking shots. And only now are we doing a better job of that with some of the acquisitions that we've made and additions to this team. Andy Green was just so good at that. He was so underrated at that. He was also a tremendous leader. You know, he wasn't the biggest vocal type of guy, but he led by example. He was very respectful, tremendous personality, very workmanlike attitude. And he embodied what it meant to be a New Jersey Devil, especially with the way that Lou Lemoreau built this organization. And it's definitely, um, it's definitely great. And when you look at it, I mean, here's the thing. Andy Green was not drafted. He was an undrafted free agent that came to New Jersey. And this man has just reached uh, or has now reached over a thousand games in the NHL, which is absolutely incredible. It also just kind of shows that sometimes, uh, you know, scouts don't always know exactly 100% what they're doing. And sometimes they miss on some guys like this who they look at and say, eh, this guy doesn't really look like somebody that could contribute to the NHL. But Andy Green, who's 39 years of age, has not only um, survived, but thrived in many different ways. And you look at his uh, career points, he has 255 career points, 50 goals, and 205 assists. And he also has, at the moment, 1,893 career block shots. I told you that was the biggest asset that he brought to the Devils and to the, and, and to the game of hockey. He was so good at just blocking shots. 
I would say he would always average something between 10 to 15 block shots a game. He would just do it on a game-to-game basis, and he was really, really good. And he was one of the longest-tenured devils uh, for a long time. I mean, there were periods where you remember, even back in 17-18, where Zajac and Andy Green were the two guys that you know were here well before we had this era that we have now. Um, you know, they were there when the Devils were constantly competing for playoffs, got to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2012, had some up and down years, but they constantly came back every single year and played for this team. Lou Lamorello, one of the greatest things about him is that he made it so great for people to want to come to New Jersey and play for this organization. Now, things obviously changed towards the end of his time, but that oh, but that happens with every organization. But these guys, both Andy Green and Travis Ajak, they just constantly went out there and worked hard and embodied the devil so well. Andy Green, more in particular, was just absolutely phenomenal. What a really great guy. Very nice guy. Uh, loved, loved playing for the Devils. Loved being in New Jersey. Loved the fan base. And, you know, look, people might get critical and say that there were times where maybe he made a lot of mistakes, but so have a lot of defensemen. And I'm sure if you ask any New York Islander fan right now, they will say that they've really enjoyed, from an on-ice perspective, having Andy Green on this team. And I don't blame them for feeling that way. Um, I personally believe that Andy Green will do the same thing that Zajac did, where when it's all said and done, Andy Green will retire as a devil. He'll sign a one-day contract. I would be surprised if he didn't, uh, because again, you know, granted, he's with Lou again. He's he's a, around some former devils, but at the end of the day, he's going to be a New Jersey devil, um, you know, regardless of how many more seasons he plays. He will always be remembered as a New Jersey devil. And that's why I always say when I talk about former players who have such big, um, you know, big impacts, I always put out that hashtag, hashtag once a devil, always a devil. And and that's very, very true. And so, like I said, I'm very happy for Andy Green that he reached a thousand games. The man deserved it. A workmanlike lunch pail type player who just did everything he could to win hockey games. Uh, he was definitely the right guy to be the captain after Bryce Salvador. He deserved it. He handled that captaincy so well. And uh, obviously um, it's unfortunate that he couldn't get to a thousand games while playing with the devils or get to a thousand games and play against the devils, which would have been absolutely phenomenal. I'm sure the devils would have made a video tribute of some sort. Um, if that was the case, maybe they still will. I don't know. But it's just great that Andy Green got to do that. So congratulations to Andy Green at age 39 for becoming the newest member of the 1,000 career played NHL games club. And just it, it's just great to see from a former devil, and he will always be a New Jersey devil. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a depth deflection, however they like the lamp, you win. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the next thing I actually wanted to talk about, and I actually haven't talked about anything like this in a couple of months since, quite frankly, we're in the middle of the season and rumors don't usually come out that much throughout the year. But this was a rumor that came out a few weeks ago that I feel like is a good time to share it because, again, um, you know, this is an opportunity instead of recapping games. I'm actually just talking about some other things that involve the Devils, which I haven't done in a while either. But this is a rumor that I saw from Bleacher Report a couple of weeks ago. And I'm actually probably going to leave the article, um, um, you know, as part of a thread on the tweet when I post this episode on Thursday. So you guys can check it out. I may also share it um, in a regular uh, post on social media as well, which you can check us out at Devil State on Twitter and also at Devil State of Mind on Instagram. Um, it was a Bleacher Bar article that talked about way too early predictions for the 2022 free agency class. And there's some really big names. One big name that I've talked about several times as a potential guy that, you know, the Devils could trade for or could wait till free agency and maybe make a move for him if the money is right and everything like that is a New Jersey native. Granted, he is from South Jersey and grew up a Flyers fan, but he is from Jersey and that is Johnny Gaudreau. Now, I've had people in the com in comments and, and also on social media give me garbage several times over about how much I would want to see a guy like Johnny Gaudreau come to this team. And I understand how a lot of us Devils fans could look at it and say, realistic, you know, we even if it's not realistically, you'd say, the Devils, they're not going to get a guy like that. Why would why would he want to come here? Blah blah, blah this, that, and the other thing. Well, in this article. They have Johnny Gaudreau as one of the, the nine main players um, that they wanted to look at when it came to free agency, because there is the possibility that Johnny Gaudreau may not sign an extension in Calgary and then end up, um, you know, testing free agency. Even though I do think there is a pretty good chance that the Flames will sign him to an extension, even though their cap situation is not great. And we don't know what the timeline is anymore for that, that core in Calgary. Um, if there, if there is the chance that Johnny Goudreau uh, ends up in free agency, I do believe the Devils would be one of those teams that could absolutely afford him and that he would be a really good fit on this team. So I want to read to you the portion of the article that just talks about Johnny Goudreau because this is the only one that really matters that I saw. Since his full-time NHL debut back in 2014-15, Johnny Gaudreau has been the Calgary Flames' top offensive forward with 500 total points. That's pretty damn impressive. 
with $52.2 million invested in 12 players for 2022-23, the Flames could afford to re-sign Gaudreau to a long-term extension worth between $8 and $9 million annually. Whether that happens remains to be seen. And, and the reason they bring that up is because, again, like I just mentioned, we don't know. First of all, the Calgary Flames are having a really, really good year. I did pre- predict that they would be the Western Conference um, uh opponent in the Stanley Cup finals this year. Uh, and so far they're, they've gotten off to a really good start. They've been a little up and down recently, but they very well look like a team that can very, that can make a really good run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So depending on how this season goes, could really dictate whether Johnny Gaudreau feels comfortable staying in Calgary long-term. If let's say they don't even make the playoffs, I would be surprised if he if he resigned uh, there. Even if they got knocked down the first round, I don't think he would resign. I think they'd have to make a very long run to the conference finals, maybe even get to the Stanley Cup finals for him to really feel comfortable with that. So that's kind of something to keep in mind. Despite Johnny Gaudreau's production, the Flame struggles over the past three seasons have made him a frequent target of trade conjecture and criticism. In the final season of a six-year contract with an annual cap hit of $6.75 million, it's uncertain if he has a future with the Flames. Back on October 6th, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman reported Gaudreau and the Flames will keep their contract discussions private during the season. Friedman speculated it'll take an expensive, long-term commitment to keep the 28-year-old winger in Calgary. He also found how the season plays out could be a determining factor. So, again, a lot of it is going to be hush-hush. If there is going to be an extension, I personally believe that it won't be until towards the end, maybe even after the season is over. I That's the way that I look at it. But again, things could change within an instant. That's something that you definitely have to, to keep in mind. Now, they continue to go on in this article and say, we originally projected Goudreau signing with the Philadelphia Flyers. But their re-signing of Sean Couturier means they lack sufficient cap space to add an expensive free agent. The New Jersey Devils could be a better destination for the Salem, New Jersey native. They're a promising promising club that made a major signing in Dougie Hamilton this summer and have $49.1 million invested in 14 players for 2022-23. Now that is also without giving Jack Hughes an extension and also with the fact that P.K. Subban's $9 million contract, thank the Lord, will be coming off the books after the season. So this is their prediction. The Devils have the cap room to make another big free agent splash by signing Gaudreau to a seven-year contract worth an annual average value of $8.5 million, which is pretty much in the middle of what I'm assuming that Gaudreau and his agent are probably looking for, which is solid. So let's just kind of finish this this portion with simply saying this number one, I still believe that it is relatively a long shot that the devils get Johnny Gaudreau. And the reason for that is, is a couple. The reason for it is actually several reasons. Uh, Number one, we don't know what the situation is between how Gaudreau feels about being in Calgary and, you know, the direction of the Calgary flames moving forward. Um, I could talk to my guy. I could talk to several of the, the Flames guys here on the Hockey Pod Network and get their insight and kind of get an understanding of it and go from there. Um, but that's obviously a factor. Number two, I do have to think you have to keep an eye on for the trade deadline because depending on where the Flames are, let's say the Flames just absolutely drop to rock bottom for you know from this point on to the trade deadline. 
They very well could decide to trade him. The Devils could be a team that could very well make a move for him then and then try to, you know, do what do what the Islanders did when they acquired John Gabriel Pajot a couple of years ago, where after they traded for him, they signed him to a six-year contract extension. Um, that very well could be the case. I, I don't think that would be – I don't think that that's going to happen, but you could uh, – but, but that's obviously a possibility. If I were the Devils, I think the smartest way you got to operate with this is to just let it play out. I think you – if he gets the free agency, great. If he doesn't, well, there's going to be other options out there. But if he does get the free agency, I think what you want to do is get Jack Hughes signed long-term first, which I think the Devils are definitely going to focus on. And then after that, assess what you have and then go from there. They're still going to have a lot of cap space, even if they have to, uh, even if they have to give a lot of money to Jack Hughes, which again, I do expect his contract to be somewhere between five, five and a half, pushing $6 million per year annually. That's my guess. Um, it could also depend on how Jack Hughes looks once he gets back and is fully healthy from his uh, shoulder injury he suffered earlier this year. But I don't know. You also have to look at where are the Devils going to be when the season ends? The Devils have gotten off to a solid start. They're competitive, but they're playing in obviously the toughest division in the NHL, and that's the Metropolitan Division. And even if they have a really positive year and are winning a lot of games, they still may just finish outside of the playoffs because of how tough this division is. And it's why it's so important to win these early games against Metropolitan teams or at least get points. So that's something that uh, you do have to look at as well. I think overall, there is the possibility, and I think there is a shot. Um, I'm just kind of in this mode of, I will believe it when I see it type of thing. It was the same thing with Dougie Hamilton. We heard rumors all offseason that he was going to sign with the Devils, but you know nothing was concrete until we finally got word. Friedman announced it. Eventually, the Devils did, and, and that's when, we, that's when we, fit, we found that out. Same thing with a guy like Tomas Tatar. That's the way you got to look at it. So for me, it's more about... They can put out predictions like this and rumors and all that and all that jazz. But at the end of the day, when, you know, until it is official and I can see it and it's not a joke, that's when I'll believe it. But I would love to get Johnny Gaudreau. He's in the prime of his career right now. He's a top six first line winging goal scorer that the Devils could definitely use and definitely help with some of the younger players. And obviously as well, you know, continuing to support guys like Jack Hughes and also Nico Heischer. It makes sense. Um, but you also don't want to make a move like that and stunt the growth of some of your young players in your farm system as well. So all of this just has to, has to go around it. So we'll see, we will see, and we'll see what the cap situation is for other teams and the cap situation when this 2022-23 season gets underway, you know, with free agency and all that. So we got a long ways away, but I want to share that with you guys. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts on it or anything, let me know on Twitter at Devil State or on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. Would love to hear about it and get your thoughts on it. I'll share it again as well on social media so you guys can share your thoughts again there. But that was something that I wanted to quickly share with you guys because it seems pretty interesting. So could there be the potential that Johnny Gaudreau could be a New Jersey Devil? Maybe, maybe not. We shall see in the future. The last thing I wanted to talk about here is involving the Utica Comets because I have no idea how to explain this other than I am absolutely blown away. At the time of this recording, which is late on Wednesday evening, the Utica Comets have just beaten the Rochester Americans by the score of 3-2. to two. Arne Talvite got his fourth goal of the year. Riley Walsh with his second goal of the year. Robbie Russo got his first of the year, and those were the goal scorers 
for the Comets. Akira Schmid gave up two goals, stopping 25 shots to get the victory. But that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that the Utica Comets are now an incredible 11-0-0 to start the season, which ties the American Hockey League all-time record for most victories to start a season. Holy crap. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just a change from going from Binghamton to Utica, but ever since the Devils decided to move their minor league team to Utica, they have just been a red and black machine. It is unbelievable. Even with having guys like Holtz, guys like Thompson and Boquist, and even now Zetterlin coming up to the New Jersey Devils, the Utica Comets just continue to win. And that is absolutely phenomenal. And it's so important because we have so many young, talented players in our farm system playing there. Talvite, Walsh, Schmid, Ball, Vukashevich. There's so many other guys that I'm missing off the top of my head. Nico Dawes as well that are winning. Kevin Deneen has brought a winning culture since he was hired by Utica prior to this season starting. And you can see how much of a great job Tom Fitzgerald has built from the NHL organization down to the minor league system that it is just be, there. These young kids are learning what it takes to win. And you saw it from what Zetterlin was talking about, having that confidence and bringing that 10 and 0 and 0 record to New Jersey and that confidence and, and knowing what it takes to win. It's just awesome. And I'm blown away by it. So it was a tough victory. The Utica Comets actually got outshot 27 to 12 in this game. So they got lucky, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of luck. And that is absolutely phen phenomenal. I don't, I really don't know how else to, uh, to explain it. Really. I'm just blown away by it. These guys are phenomenal. The social media admin, obviously, and I talked about it last week with him and Cole Gaffield, uh, it's been elite as well. It's just, it's crazy. The Comets next game um, is against, it uh, looks like it's going to, I think it's at, um, yeah, and actually it looks like it's going to be at home against the Charlotte Checkers on Friday. So that game on Friday, that will be the opportunity to see if the Utica Comets can set a new American Hockey League record for most wins to start a year. So hats off to the Utica Comets. Hats off to Kevin Deneen and that coaching staff. They've done a fantastic job. But I've said before, it's not about how you start, it's how you finish. But if this is how the Utica Comets are going to play all season long, this is a Comets team that could go all the way and win the Calder Cup uh, in the AHL, which is the equivalent to the Stanley Cup in, in the AHL. And that would be absolutely phenomenal. And I'm sure that both Tom Fitzgerald and Lindy Ruff are watching these games and got to be happy. Dan McKinnon, who's the assistant general manager for Tom Fitzgerald, and the general manager of the Utica Comets has to be super thrilled with this team. They continue to find ways to win, even when they're not playing their best. And that is the mark of a very talented and very scary team. So again, the Utica Comets with a victory tonight, a 3-2 victory over the Rochester Americans have now tied the AHL record for most wins to start a year as they move their record to an incredible 11-0-0.